Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's Football Show with Leanne Sanderson. Absolutely first class on TalkSport 2. Hello, this is TalkSports Women's Football Show podcast. I'm Leanne Sarnison, bringing you loads of exclusive content. We'll be here every week with the very best of the show. Don't forget you can listen back to the full Women's Football Show via the TalkSport app. This week we're on Monday at 7pm, so swipe for TalkSport 2, find Monday and you can listen full then. This week I was joined by former Arsenal and Republic of Ireland goalkeeper and former teammate of mine, Emma Byrne. I'm delighted to say that joining me live in the studio is my friend, former teammate, Arsenal, Republic of Ireland legend. Can we reel off any more? It is Emma Byrne. Emma, how are you? I am very well. I'm excited to be in the big smoke. To be honest, I don't often get up here. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm planning a little day trip today. No. Oh, obviously, I'm here to see you. That's I was the first about. Thing. I was about to say that. You know, <laughs> it's actually quite funny because we, you've known me since I was 14 years old, and I'd be, I'd love to say that it was only a few years, but it's actually been 22 years. You know, I know and when you when you actually look back, like there's things that come up on the TV, like when you're watching women's football. Oh, I remember, yeah, I played, and you're like, how long ago was that? Oh my god, I am literally an L one. I, I am proper old. Like you're I not am. old. You still look great. <laughs> <laughs> remember my nickname for you was um, Kim Cottrell from Sex and the City. Remember oh I used to always call you her. Oh my God. That <laughs> and is you still so look weird. like her now with your bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's just weird. <laughs> well, anyway, Emma, you've obviously made a massive move this year. You moved back from Barcelona. You're currently living in the UK. Um, very similar, I'm sure, living in Brighton, seaside, same. Barcelona. Same? Same. Exactly. Same weather? Same. Yeah, yeah. Same. <laughs> now tell the truth. <laughs> No, do you know what? I absolutely love living near Brighton. I didn't want to come back, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Me neither. I was like, Vicky, you need to sign for someone here in Barcelona. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a third division, I don't care. <laughs> no, uh, Vicky was so keen to come back to WSL. So it was it was always going to happen, just a matter of time. But um, to be honest, we came from Manchester, we went from Manchester to Rome back to Barcelona so Rome wasn't so bad either I have to say that um, and then coming back I was a little bit I was a little bit I didn't know whether I wanted to do it or not but I have to say Brighton is class I am loving life loving it yeah, and the yeah. dogs are loving it which is way more important it is and we need to preface the fact that your wife is Vicky Lasada, current 
Brighton captain, been at Barcelona. We were teammates. We all played together at Arsenal when I re-signed for the club. So just to give people a little bit of a background. And talking of our former club at Arsenal, you know, Emma, we spent some amazing... We got some amazing memories at the club. And I still think that if we if we had our team now, we would still win. You know, and a lot of the time, just like comparing I can't even Messi tie my Maradona. laces. I don't know about... Are you talking about playing now? <laughs> no, I'm not talking about playing <laughs> okay. right now. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, how successful our team was. And there's certain moments that now you're sitting next to me. Whenever I see you, I always think about the Champions League final when the ball hit, you saved it, hit the back of your head and went out for a corner. And there's moments no, in games... my face. There's my moments face. in games <laughs> when I thought, do you know what? We are getting absolutely steamrolled in this game against Umeo with Marta, Ramona, Backman. And, you know, there's moments where you think we're going to win this game. And that was one of those moments. Yeah, at no point did I ever think we were going to win that. <laughs> it took the final whistle to actually allow me to, to breathe, basically. Um, yeah, it was just one of those games, wasn't it? We weren't expected to win. We had two games as well, which, you know... A final, a two-legged yeah. final, Champions League final. I mean, that's how long ago it was. But, like, you're talking about cup games and anything can happen. Well, it was two games, so... It was just extra special, wasn't it? So, um, and we we did get pummeled. Let's be honest. Like, we did. We... <laughs> no, in the final. I mean, you were busy. I remember there was the first leg. I remember Vic would talk about you know, and Emma Hayes used to tell us about Marta, and I was thinking, yeah, she can't be that good. And I remember she like first kick of the game away. She kind of flicked it over someone's head, and I remember I wanted to clap her in the middle of the pitch, and I thought I better run, you know, because <laughs> she is actually that good. At no, the she time. was so she was so quick, wasn't she? Um, just different. I've never played against anybody like her. So quick, so skillful. She was gone. I remember the first couple of minutes of the first game, and Kira Grant was, I'd say, eighty percent like on to win the ball. Like Marta had good good time to 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 travel. And she just left Kira and Kira was still standing there looking at the ground. I was like, oh, crap, we, we better get warm. Yeah, We're going to be busy. A special player. I mean, by far the best player I've ever played against. And I think, you know, the fact that she's still playing now is testimony to her. But I often look back on our Arsenal, you know, time and have unbelievable memories. Do you feel like you look back on that and you think, because no other English team has ever done what we did, win the quadruple, you know. Do you ever think a team will ever do it? And if that team, is, if anyone's ever going to do it, do you think it'll be Chelsea? Well, it's looking like that at the minute, isn't it? I mean, we can't even talk about Arsenal because they're not even in the tournament. But um, oh, that's for another show. Um, <laughs> it could be Chelsea, but you know what? I just feel like too many things have to go their way for it to happen. Um, winning the Champions League, like at that point, the only teams that won the Champions League were teams in Germany and Sweden, not nowhere else. So, like, it was just unbelievable. Um. But I think an English team can do it again. I mean, they have the resources. They're improving so much. They can compete. But I always say this, the Champions League, it takes you maybe three or four years, maybe longer to actually get used to it, to get accustomed to the level. Um, and it's now that Chelsea have that chance because they've made their mistakes. Now they know what it takes. Um, got absolutely battered by Barca in the final. And I think that was a, a bit of a lesson for them. But you know what? It just takes a lot of things to go your way for you to win that tournament. And that's why it's it's always going to be extra special. Also, I don't want anyone else to win from England. I'm, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I know. I get <laughs> as soon as an English club wins, that's it. 
that's our, our no little, longer, yeah. We can no longer say we're the only Not team to have done it. for us, yeah. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about you. Obviously, you spent a long time in Barcelona. You worked for Barca Television and you've worked over there. How did you find kind of retiring and then now you've transitioned into your broadcasting career and now you off, you do it in England as well? Yeah, I mean, retiring was, was difficult. You, you, at that stage, we didn't have people helping us for that. Um, it was just kind of on us to, to get whatever we were doing to to get to the next level so i find i did find that quite difficult because one minute you're playing at very high level every day it's like super intense isn't it when you're in there and then the next minute you're you're nothing you don't have I had to like give back my car. I had to move. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, elaborate a little bit Em, on that because I think sometimes people often see, you know, players and they see the, where the women's game is at now. But talk to me a little bit about your journey. Obviously, a lot of our teammates used to work in the laundry at Arsenal. I you did. Know. I, I, I worked in the laundry. And that's something to be ashamed of. It is no, what it is. I, I, I loved it. Me and Yvonne Tracy, another Irish girl, um, we had such a laugh in there. Um, yeah, I mean, we were working. I actually think we were quite lucky, actually, because. Because in our generation, we had to work, we had to study because football was a, you know, it came second to that, and we didn't make enough money. So actually, I got my education, I did, I got my degree, I, I worked, I had all that experience, which allowed me to transition a little bit easier from playing to retiring, basically. Um, and I worry about the new age footballers. I worry about them. I won't name names, but there are certain players I would worry about more. It's coming to their retirement age and they have nothing. They don't know what they're going to do. They think that they're going they're to go into um, journalism and commentary and stuff like that. But they don't realise it's not easy. It's, re- it's a really difficult thing to be good at. Obviously, you can go in and you can chat crap or whatever but you have to prepare you have to be good at it you have to know the cues you have to there's a lot of stuff you have to know and that's like coaching as well people think players think they can just go from playing to coaching no you have you've, there's a lot of stuff you have to do to become a coach and it's again it's not easy and it's not a natural thing for a footballer to just become a coach sometimes it is but a lot of the times you have to learn a lot on how to you have the ideas you know what you're talking about but can you deliver that message um, to the players which is the most difficult thing so I, th- I feel like we were a little bit lucky because I did all that prep while I was playing I got my coaching badges got my journalism degree was working a little bit while I was playing whereas the players nowadays they don't they're not really pushed to do that and I think that's a shame. So, yeah, it's a little bit worrying for some of those players. It becomes your definition being a footballer, doesn't it? And then when that's taken away from you, and I say taken away because, you know, sometimes you choose to retire, sometimes players don't choose because they have to retire due to injury. But I think it is really hard. And I, and I love the fact that you brought this up because I think, you know, a lot of people just think about what you're doing now and they think about all the broadcasting you're doing and the commentaries you're doing, but they don't think about what that feeling is like. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, Em. Yeah, they can, but you know, I I feel like I was lucky as well because my family and friends at home they're not really into football, so I that was my escape. Whenever I got to go back to Dublin, we didn't speak about football. It was just their lives, their twenty five kids they had there. Twenty five, <laughs> you know, it was just a completely different world, and I really appreciated that. So when I retired, it was easy for me to switch off from that and and take a little break. I needed a break, to be honest, especially after the the whole um, strike with the Irish team as well. That took a lot out of me. Anyway, 
it's all good. So I moved to, to Barcelona with Vicky and just started something different, started teaching, qualified in teaching um, and just completely switched off from it. And then obviously you miss it because it is your life. You've spent so many years playing. So you slowly get back into it, or at least I did. And and yeah, now I'm fully immersed again. And you know what? Being with the Irish team, it took a lot for me to say yes to that as well because I was still you know, thinking about people I've worked with who, you know, kind of, it wasn't a great experience for me. So I I needed to make sure the people I was working with were good people and wanted to help develop me as a coach and work together and stuff like that. Like it had to be a good working environment. So that was brilliant for me because it, it was up until Christmas, it was brilliant with Eileen, with Colin, Healy, just really good people and Richie. Fitzgerald, just just really good people. So, yeah, I've definitely got the goo back for it, put it that way. There was another drama-filled WSL weekend to catch up on, so Emma and I broke down the biggest stories from the latest rounds of fixtures. It was another action-packed weekend in the WSL, with goals in all six of the games. But has this year's title charge turned into a two-horse race? They might have won the WSL three times before, but Arsenal could be out of this one now. No team has ever won the WSL after losing more than two games in a season, and the Gunners just suffered their third in a shock 2-1 defeat to West Ham. Goals from Vivian Asai and Howis and Soko gave the Hammers their first ever WSL victory over Arsenal. No trouble for the other title contenders though. It was one, two, three goals again for Chelsea. Two controversial penalties and a late bit of skill from Aaron Cuthbert saw the Blues triumph over an Everton side who had put up an admirable fight. Manchester City left it late, but Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly put two past Leicester in the end. They remain three points behind the leaders. Brighton travelled to Manchester United for the first match since the sacking of their manager Melissa Phillips. The Seagulls put up a decent fight, but a brace from Nikita Paris gave the Red Devils the win. Paris brings her goal tally this season to eight. She's in with a chance at the Golden Boot. Bristol City proved they're not going down without a fight. They twice came from behind to secure a 2 all draw against a wasteful Aston Villa side. And Liverpool and Tottenham shared the points after the Reds managed a stoppage time equaliser to cancel out Celine Bizet's opener. Now there may be no WSL this weekend, but when the league resumes, the next round of matches could be title-defining. Chelsea will take on Manchester City. It's the champions against the challengers. But who will come out on top? Now, Em, I obviously am delighted that we're both former Gooners in the studio today. I didn't think I'd be sitting here talking about the fact that our former side lost 2-1 to West Ham. So we have to start there. I mean, it's a really big shock, isn't it? And how impactful is this going to be for West Ham in their relegation battle and Arsenal in their title hopes? Yeah, it's massive, isn't it? Um, first of all, for West Ham, I don't think they're even going to be in a relegation battle, to be honest. I think it is just two clubs that are in the relegation battle. Um, and West Ham are only going to get better, aren't they? Especially with the new signings Rianne Skinner brought in. Um, in regards to Arsenal, it, it is a shock. It is a shock and it isn't for me because... You know, I, I think Arsenal, I do think Arsenal are the best team in the league, I have to say, but they're too really? inconsistent. Yeah, I do. I do. Elaborate on that a little I bit. I think they've got the potential and when they've played well, when they've played against Chelsea, they look like the best team. I've watched City, I've watched Chelsea. I can pick points where you can get at them. Like, I can see where you can beat them. 
with Arsenal, I can't see it. They're so strong. But like mistakes. Why, but why mistakes. do you think they just never seem to get it done? It's, it's in the box. It's players in the box. It's movement in the box. It's committing numbers in the box because they do everything else. They do really well. They keep possession. They play really nice through the thirds. They that system that that two holding and the three and then the one. It just it just allows them to play really nice football, nice triangular passing, and they do it really well. They do it the best in the league, and that's what I'm going off. But at the end of the day, when they get the ball, when they get in wide areas, when they get the ball into the box, they don't have enough players in there. They don't have enough movement in there. It's really static from day one. That's been the case since Liverpool the first day. And um, and they do work in it, but maybe not enough. I def- like you look at Chelsea and how they get numbers in the box and how they convert crosses. It's just incredible. Especially the first three games, four games of the season. They were so good. I was like, this is it. This is the level. And Arsenal just haven't improved on that. And it's the only thing. But um, I mean, when you drop points like that and drop points in, in two games before that, not before that, two games in, in the league, you can't expect to win the league and you shouldn't at the level it's at. But, you know, Chelsea aren't playing well either. Yeah. But like Chelsea shouldn't really be at the top because they're not playing well. But at the end of the day, when the opposition or the other teams aren't playing or doing enough, you can't really blame Chelsea for that either, can you? No, it's true. But you spoke about it there, about the transfers and players that Rianne Skinner's brought in. Katrina Gorey, within the game yesterday, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Although I thought there should have been a penalty on her. What do you make of that signing and the impact she's had in a short space of time? Yeah, I mean, she's a good player. She's she's tenacious, which is what West Ham needed. She puts herself about in their 100% penalty. I mean, you want to talk about referees this weekend? No, thanks. <laughs> I don't want to do it. But it definitely should have been a penalty. And that um, that would have changed things, obviously. But, um, yeah, she makes a difference. But still, Sissoko's my favourite player in West Ham. I just love watching her Really? Play. I just love it. I love it. I would have loved to have her as a centre-half. I, I would have just buzzing off her. Yeah, I think often in these moments, you, you know, people dissect and talk about how, like, bad Arsenal were, but I think we have to give a lot of credit to West Ham, and also talking of Arsenal, Leah Williamson back in the eleven, and obviously now Miedema's back, and Beth Mead's back. How much pressure do you think Arsenal will be feeling now, having all these players back, and also, you know, how do you fit them all back in? Is it up- upset the flow a little bit? Well, you don't, you don't fit them all in, that's the problem, and... You know, they have a, an absolutely brilliant squad. And I said it a couple of games ago. I was like, they have no excuse to lose this league. Like, they have the squad. We talk about squads and how you need to utilise all the players towards the end of the league. Well, this is it. They have it. They've made it a class signing with Fox. I think she's brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Um, But it's just about what they're doing on the pitch. And, and at the end of the day, that is when you do have to look at the manager and, and you know, you've got all, everything you need. You've got all the resources. Um, obviously, I think Katie McCabe was a huge loss yesterday, a massive loss, I think, when she's on the pitch. She brings more than, than just talent. You know, she brings a fight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult because you're expecting more from them and I'm always expecting and you know you know what it was like at Arsenal the standards were so high in every single thing we did like we that was Wenger effect wasn't it everything you did whether it was just walking through the building whether it was whatever going up for lunch you had to be an Arsenal player and that, that meant the standards were really high and sometimes I look at that 
and I look at them on the pitch and yeah we would have killed each other and taken heads off and there would have been huge arguments on the pitch but at least you could see that passion and you're trying to fix something on the pitch whereas you know I kept hear- hearing them say on, on the commentary there's no plan B there's no plan B well someone has to step up and I always think when Kim Little's not on the pitch they, they lack that leadership whatever else she's brilliant I mean she's a fantastic yeah. player but they definitely lack that leadership when she's not on there. I'm just going to go ahead and say it as well. I just don't think Jonas Cedarville's that guy. Like, I just don't think he's the the guy that I think Arsenal's managerial people that they've got in place in, in recent years, I just don't think have been the level that Arsenal has been expected to be at. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, I mean... It's hard though. It's the same. Well, you know all about United. When you when you're winning and you have this, it's the same with Wenger, and you have a manager that's so successful and the team that's so successful. It's really difficult to to continue that when things change. And it's the same with players. Like a big group of us left. That was a not just you know talent wise. You're talking about the culture. Culture is a big thing. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. And culture, it leads me to the next game. I think I have a feeling that when you said about two teams being in a relegation battle, Bristol City will definitely obviously be one of them. Huge point against Aston Villa at the weekend, you know. And how difficult is it for a team like Bristol City coming into this league? Because obviously they're expected to lose every single game. And I do feel for them because it's always going to be difficult for them to compete. But a point against Aston Villa is a decent result for them. It is. Any point is decent for them at this stage, isn't it? But um, yeah, I just think... You know, I've been looking at the the championship as well a lot lately, and they are building, they are getting better, but it's it's hard, isn't it, for one team to come up, one team to go down? Like you're expecting that team to go down unless you make some really big signings, and and sometimes these clubs just don't have the resources to do that. But I think with Bristol, they had a shaky start. They've realised they are going to have to defend and park the bus. That's okay. And they realise they're going to have to play counter-attack and football. So they do look a little bit better. They've signed a really good goalkeeper. I think she's excellent. I thought she played brilliant the weekend. She's very good and she's going to make a big difference there. So if you actually look at Brighton and Bristol, the two teams who are basically going to be fighting to stay up, Bristol looked a little bit better the weekend. Brighton were a little bit disappointing for me against United. Yeah, and look at Aston Villa, 36 shots, only two goals. Carla Ward last year of Aston Villa, they finished fifth. I think they overachieved last year, but they haven't been that great this season. What do you put that down to? Players underperforming. I think that's the main thing. Carla Ward's still there. She hasn't changed. And you look at the team. At, at the start, it was because Dali was missing, who's a huge player for them. Dali comes back in. She's playing well, but not to the level she was playing last season. Um, obviously you have to talk about uh, Rachel Daly she's not scoring she's getting in the positions she's just not hitting the back of the net um, I don't think Hansen is playing at her best and also um, Lucy Staniforth and Jordan Nobbs this year at times they've been on the bench which yeah. I was quite surprised at yeah I mean Staniforth was starting a lot of them Jordan was coming in and out Jordan always needs that time to settle in a team and I think she has found her, her rhythm she looks better already this season but when when so many players are underperforming and a team like Aston Villa where they depended on that drive from Daly that drive from Daly it was a World Cup uh, year last year I'm wondering has that got anything to do with it because you know obviously when there's something so big happening your players are more motivated more driven it might be a little bit of 
hangover from that. I'm not sure. But either way, the players aren't performing. Yeah, that's a really good point about that. And the next game, Manchester United 2, Brighton 0. Another week, another brace for Nikita Paris. And talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts on Nikita Paris are. Because I don't think... I, I can't believe sometimes... I mean, at Stamford Bridge, Mark Skinner put her on the bench. And she seems to me the only goal threat they seem to really possess. What do you make of Nikita Paris this season since she made the move to Manchester United? Yeah, I think she's been really, really good. She's a great player to have in the squad. Um, the problem is when you've got a lot of good players in your team, you have to make those decisions. And at the time where um, Nikita was trying to break through, you also had Lucia Garcia in there, the same position. And it was difficult for Mark Skinner because he he wouldn't start either of them. He'd bring Lucia on. She'd score a couple of goals. She's an excellent impact sub. So, OK, I'm going to give her a chance to start. Then that wasn't really working. And it was the exact same for Nikita. So, you know, it was difficult for, to make that choice. But now, on, on Nikita's performances, she has to play, doesn't she? She has to start. Um, and she just, she just has more of a calmness about her. She gets in better positions and... You know, I, I don't think he can afford to drop her at this stage. Yeah, what do you make of what Mark Skinner's done at Manchester United? Because I know there's been a lot of the fans have been not very happy. They always seem to lose their best players. Mary Earp potentially being one of them in the summer as well. What do you make of the job that he's done at Manchester United? And do you, where do you see Mary Earps ending up? Well, do you know, there's a lot of talk about Mark Skinner, but I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know if he's been given the budget. I don't know if he's... Um, being told keep them no matter what I imagine he's not because it wouldn't make sense uh, to let these players go and not be able to replace them I have a feeling it's out of his hands because otherwise why Why as a manager would you not want to replace Onabate if you can you can't but somebody very very close to her level um, and then of course realistically Mary's probably going in summer I don't know that you know sometimes I say stuff and people are like oh, that's true Emma Byrne said, no, I don't know, but maybe she's going in the summer, maybe. And if that's the case, well, I think it's going to be really bad news for United because they haven't replaced the players. They look like a fourth place team. If that at this stage, uh, we can forget about Champions League competing because I wouldn't even put them in, in the same breath as, you know, competing for the WSL. Yeah, I agree with that. Now let's talk about a team that's close to your heart. Your wife is club captain. It's been a weird week for Brighton, obviously losing Melissa Phillips. And talk to me a little bit about the consensus of how people received that, because I think a lot of people were quite shocked that Melissa Phillips, you know, isn't there anymore. I think a lot of people have felt that way, that she should have been given more time. Yeah, I mean, it was a shock, wasn't it? There was no, indi as far as I know, there was no indication that, that she was going to lose her job. Obviously, she's under pressure she was allowed to sign a lot of players. She signed a lot of footballing players. The club itself, they want all of their teams to play a certain way, from the men's to the kids, and that's, you know, playing out and playing through the thirds and defenders who can play, midfielders, transitions. And sometimes maybe they struggle to do that. Not maybe, they, they do struggle to do that a little bit. Um, but in regards to Sacking, I, I don't really understand why. She, she was seemed to be very organised and she knew exactly what she wanted and it was a shock for the players, shock for everyone really so I mean I don't know where they're going to go from here, they, they they haven't got a replacement so I can't imagine it was planned otherwise you'd have a replacement already yeah. ready, especially at this really important point of the season um, Well Mikey Harris obviously took over interim 
he's taken over in, during the interim time now. Currently, they're in 11th, five points off of the relegation. What's he like? Is this Would he want to put himself forward for the job permanently, do you think? I mean, I don't know. He's coming from the boys' side, and I'm not sure what he's thinking about it, but... You know, it's it's a big job. It's not an easy job. You've got a team there. And looking at them at the weekend is quite frustrating because we're not talking about listening to to formations or, or how you're going to play in the team. It's about passion, about getting your foot in, about defending, about not letting crosses come into the area. So I feel sometimes there's a lot of information given to the players and how you want to do this. And it's all very technical and all, you know, new, like, technology and all... Just put your foot in, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Just put a tackle in. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, the next game we're going to get into is Manchester City 2, Leicester nil. But before we talk about the game, let's hear from Manchester, Manchester City boss Gareth Taylor, who spoke to TalkSports, Jeff Peters, after the game. You're in great form at the moment. You're, you look like you're not going away in this title race. No, we want to be there. We said to the girls before the game, 10, 10 to go, 9 after this one. Put the WSL to bed now for two weeks and concentrate on two other comp- competitions. We go to play Chelsea next. So, you know, we're in a good place and I have to give the players great credit for that. You know, the way they've managed things, the way they've trusted what we do. And yeah, the the signs are really good. I think to give a special mention to, to the players, and, and this is a squad game, as we know. I think Jess Park has been fantastic the way she came onto the pitch and the way she created a lot of energy for us and quality. Um, and, yeah, they're really pushing to make a start because we're, we've not changed the team much because we're getting fluidity and rhythm. Um, but those guys are as important as the players. Are you enjoying the season? I'm enjoying it, yeah. Yeah, I really am because I think uh, I just I always look at performance. I don't really look at the results. I know that the performance... I know that the results come on the back of a performance. That's what I always look at. And sometimes if we come away today and gone nil-nil but played fantastically well, it's created a lot of chances, you know where we've been short. 
but yeah, I'm 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 enjoying it. It's a, it's a good challenge. I think we're doing it in a in a kind of like um, sensible way, doing what we do and and trusting what we do, and, and things are looking good at the moment. Now, um, two late goals for Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly. What do you make of Manchester City this season, and are they genuine title contenders? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually said right from the start. You always say this, right? When it's not, it's not on record. But um, I, I really like how City play, and I think that they could win the league this year. That's what I said in October, and I thought they were on form and they were well on their way because for me they were playing the best football in the league. I, I like how they play. They've got really good footballers. They don't have any weaknesses. Goalkeeping area you can talk about, um, but they drop points and again it's about that consistency and um, but they do look good I have to say they look very very good and these couple of months coming up are, are really going to sort out that mental side of the game like because you look at Arsenal you look at City who I would say are in a par actually and then you look at Chelsea I know that sounds weird because Chelsea are on top but playing wise um, I think it's City and Arsenal and you know Chelsea just know how to win whereas I feel like Arsenal and City don't know how to win like the dirty wins and the scrappy wins. Because going back to City though as well, I think like, I always think they've underachieved with the budget they have, with all the players they've had come through the door in the last kind of five to seven years. I just don't think they've ever reached the heights that they should be. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I feel like with the players they've had over the years, they should have already been like, it shouldn't be a question that they make in the Champions League. You know, yeah. they should be in Champions League finals with the budget that they have. No, I, I agree. And and last season, the fact that they didn't make Champions League, I was like, my jaw dropped and it was still dropped in September and nobody was really talking about it. And Well, my jaw double dropped when Arsenal got knocked out as well. But absolutely, this club has been building now. It's not in its infancy. It's been building for the last five, six years. So I absolutely think they should be winning this league well, certainly closer to winning and they certainly should be in Champions League given, you know, the top, top team's a problem. But, I mean, where where do you go then? They were talking about Gareth Taylor. Is there a problem there? I thought he was going to get the sack if they didn't make Champions League. That was the general consensus. Um, but they have faith in him, which, you know, I kind of respect as well because there's too many managers getting the sack, you know, too quickly. But there has to be time or you know there has to be a question do you do you support this women's team are you ambitious enough in this club to you know you should be winning you should be in Champions League finals as you as you said and if you're not making Champions League you know even qualifications then the question has to be asked and I'm sure they have been um but I think it's kind of paying off because the way Gareth Taylor has them playing they're playing really well I think he's finally got his team this for me was the big problem they were so inconsistent their first 11 you cannot play great football at week in week out if you don't have the bones of your team starting every week and it was changed way too much from goalkeepers to back lines like I'm I'm a bit strange I have to have my back four as a goalkeeper consistent and there were too many changes and they seem to be a little bit more steady this although not completely and i think this might be the problem at the end of the season for them the fact that 
they haven't got the the 11 that they would generally play with. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about Leicester City. Willie Kirk has lost 14 WSL matches, never beaten Gareth Taylor, but it took until the 82nd minute, you know, for them to break the deadlock, and they only had one shot on, on goal. What do you make of Leicester City this year and the job that Willie Kirk has done? I think he's done brilliant. I think he's done a brilliant job with them. Um, you look at that team and... They're all fighting for each other. They 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 like to press. They're, they're a very difficult team to play against, and you know that's just, that's saying their their number one keeper is out. She's not playing at the minute. Who was the reason they stayed up last season? So you know they've just progressed through th- under Willie Kirk, and he just has them very very organised and um, very fit, very physical, and that's exactly what a team needs to be when they come up. Like the likes of Bristol, the likes of Brighton, they need to be fit, physical and very difficult to beat. And that's the difference between their team and the teams below them. And obviously, like, they, they held Manchester City up until the 82nd minute. They played like a 4-5-1. The only maybe question could be, could he have potentially have gone for the game? But then do you leave yourself open against a team like Manchester City to kind of steamroll you? No, I don't think you go for those games. You, you you know, if you can counter, do it by all means. But the main thing is to try and keep a clean sheet. Um, and, you know, we've seen games this season, like they've teams have tried to do that and then they've nicked one really fluky goal. So I'm sure that's exactly what they would have wanted. But at the end of the day, it's about trying to keep a team like City out. Our next game is Liverpool 1, Tottenham Hotspur 1. And obviously Spurs had a chance to leapfrog Liverpool, but instead conceded a really late equaliser. As a goalkeeper, they've kept Tottenham two clean sheets in 15 games. What do you make of that? I have a feeling what you make of that. But what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? But, I mean, you talk about Tottenham. We were looking at Chelsea's clean sheets as well, which aren't many. Um, they've, They've changed their keeper in Spurs. You know, I love... Rebecca Spencer, me and you played with Becky for Arsenal. many, many years. Um, but but this this goalkeeper they've brought in has done well. I mean, she her first game was against Arsenal. They went and beat Arsenal. So, I mean, she's obviously going to stay in there. Um, yeah, I mean, defensively, they're not great. Let's be honest. And, you know, you just... You have to try and tighten up and be stronger. They were getting beat a lot with crosses and finishes in the area, not locking on to players um, and, and things like that that can, can be fixed. So, again, I don't think they're going to be in a relegation battle. So it's about, you know, just trying to do as best they can and trying to get rid of those errors. And Liverpool currently sitting in fifth. Matt Beard said after the game he felt like the draw was a fair result. What do you make of their season so far? I think they've done really well. I think they've done I wasn't expecting them I was expecting I was expecting it to be a battle between Brighton Bristol Liverpool um, and Leicester and Liverpool right from the off beating Arsenal have just kind of they staked their claim like we're going to be up there and actually that they are and they they've been playing really really well few injuries here and there I mean Liverpool are the type of team that if they get injuries it's going to be really difficult so I think Matt Beard's done really well with the squad he has and we've spoken a lot about Chelsea already, which leads me on to our last game. Chelsea 3, Everton 0. Now, Myra Ramirez is a player that you would have seen a lot at Levante. What have you made of her so far? And, you know, obviously it's her second appearance, her first start. Yesterday, she looked absolutely unbelievable. Strong, quick, tenacious, technically really good. What do you make of this price tag as well? Do you think she's absolutely worth it? 
I don't even know how much. 420,000. I don't care. She's well, she's worth it. I actually don't care what they've paid for her. Um, totally worth it. I mean, the World Cup, she was just absolutely brilliant to watch, wasn't she? Against Millie Bright. I absolutely loved it. Um, she's been really good at Levante, but for that physical aspect, um, I wouldn't have said she was the best finisher, but that they're looking for a player to hold up the ball up to to get down the sides and that's exactly what she's doing. I went to watch Chelsea train the other week, um well last week and I just was watching her and she's just an absolute beast. Like she just beasts everyone off the ball and just completely different to what we have in the league, to be quite honest. And um I think she's an absolute brilliant signing for Emma. Considering Sam's out now She's going to be a great player to hold up. And she's only going to get better as well. You haven't seen anything, by oh, the way. Oh, I can't wait. You excite me even more now after seeing her yesterday. And Erin Cuthbert, I mean, captain the team yesterday. What a player she is. I mean, her story is also incredible. The fact that Chelsea played against Glasgow in a preliminary round of the Champions League a few years ago. And Emma does what Emma Hayes does. What Emma Hayes does. Recruits. Yeah, I finds. mean, she, she's the one who recruited Kim Little for, <laughs> for Arsenal. So, you know, apart from her many talents, which we're all sick of hearing about, right? Uh, She's a very good scout as well. And Erin Cuthbert is absolutely brilliant. She's the exact player you want in that midfield. And even better when she plays a bit higher. And now that they've got loopholes back, we can push Erin a little bit higher. And that's where she really comes into form. And Everton, currently 10th with three wins in 13. I asked Farrah last week about these types of teams like Everton with the budgets. And, you know, we touched on it before. How do you think that teams like Everton can really compete in this league along with Bristol and those types of teams with just not having the budget? Yeah, it's difficult. It's really difficult. But you have, as I said before, you have to become a team hard to beat. And I think Everton have done brilliant as well. And as long as you have a good goalkeeper and a, and a good defence, you're halfway there. And I think with Courtney Brosnan, I'm not just saying it because she's Irish, but she is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they've done really, really well. Again, they've got really fit, really physical. I think Heather Payne, am I just mentioning all the Irish players here? Yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> I was biased towards Man United, but now I'm realising you're even more. Yeah, United needs some more Irish players. That's what they need. <laughs> Um, I just think they've gr- grown in confidence and again they're very well drilled and very well organised and I personally would not want to be playing against Everton when it's coming towards the end of the season and you have to win every game. And Emma Hayes is a good friend of ours, you know, and I want to talk to you a little bit about her now leaving Chelsea after 12 years and going to take the US, US Women's National Team job. What do you make of that? I, I think it's a great move for her to be honest. and She's been at Chelsea a very long time and you know, she deserves one of the biggest jobs in the women's game and that is with the US national team as much as they were so bad in the World Cup. Um, I think it's a great time to go in there because they there is room for improvement. It's not as if she's taken over a team that, you know, it's not as if like she's taken over Barca. What, where can you go? The US national team, there's a lot of work to do and I think Emma's perfect for that job and, and she said it herself, it frees up a bit of time for her to spend with her son and that is her priority as well so it's a great move for her and I think she's going to be very good for them. Hopefully with that 1.6 million salary she'll be able to take us out for a drink. Oh, I'm not going <laughs> to hold her to that. And finally, during my visit to Florida last week for the second NWSL seminar, I spoke to another former teammate of mine, Laurie Lindsay, and asked her all about her transition from playing to working in broadcasting. For any athlete, right, regardless of what sport you play, um, it can be a challenging 
uh, transition because of how much most of us love the game, right? The routines that come with it, our schedules. Uh, you and I, as you mentioned, our teammates had so much fun um, with various different teams. But then when you finally hang up the boots, it can be really challenging just to figure out your identity. And so for me, I actually didn't jump right into broadcast. I was doing strength and conditioning for young athletes. Uh, and after a couple of years of that, I just was like, actually felt further away from the game than I wanted to. Wait, strength and conditioning, but you went on Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Is that your idea of, of strength and conditioning? Okay, you're well, still super fit. No, hold on one second. Okay, strength and conditioning for young athletes, right? Because obviously ACLs are prominent. That was a component of my playing days, which is like fitness and strength and conditioning in that, that realm. American Ninja Warrior was a side note, major side note, and absolutely not. First of all, soccer skills do not translate to American Ninja Warrior because I was terrible. I slipped on like the first lily pads, fell in the water, bump, um, hurt my shin and shoulder. It was a bit of a disaster. Anyway, that's a side note. Uh, and no one should ever see those clips, right? I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be able to do it. I right. was, did you feel more nervous doing something like that than you did probably playing? Yeah, in some ways, because you don't totally feel prepared. And so that, it, that was... Yeah, really challenging. So I went American Ninja Warrior. However, when I decided I didn't want to do strength and conditioning as a profession, broadcast had been something that people had kind of been talking to me about since I had retired. I made a contact and then just like attacked it as I was a player, right? And just like I can't look, I haven't looked back and it's been awesome. Yeah, and obviously I don't want to talk too much about the growth of the game because it's so like typical that everyone says stadiums selling out and those types of things but what have you seen has been the biggest differences from when you retired comparison to now I mean I think the level of play is is incredible right and I think the thing that we're starting to see is one the the play but the amount of of players that are playing at the high the highest level so again I mean we don't want to talk about growth but I just think about the smallest details are getting that much better the athletes right the speed of play everything but what I enjoy that has been a ton of fun here in the NWSL as well is just the how the the tactics are starting to change right we've been known as a transitional league now you're starting to see different coaches come in implement more, more possession styles so it's creating some like diversity and variation in the style of the play which I think make fun make it fun and you know force everyone to be that much better and coaches to be better as well and talking of coaches do you think it's made a difference to the fact that you know Sean Nahas is the North Carolina courage co head coach but other than that correct me if I'm wrong he's the only American coach in the league you know, you've got Amy Rodriguez now obviously coming in right. with Utah. Bev Yanez. Bev that wasn't there last year, but in the league there was loads of English. Yep. You know, Juan Carlos Amaros at Gotham. So do you think that's played a difference in kind of the style of play we've seen in the NWSL? I, I definitely do. I think one of the things that you would hear coaches, players in the UK, WSL, why they want to play in those leagues outside of the, the high level is because of Champions League, right? You get a chance. And one thing that I've heard players and coaches say is that makes them that much better because you're facing you know an England defender and then you're or if you're a defender you're going up against a Spanish attacker right it gives you such a variation and a better global sense of the game and I think having different ideologies different tactical ideas in the game and principles in our league brings that right so I'm not trying to compare those to 
Champions League. I'm just saying you're getting a variation. It's forcing you to think that differently. You're having to prepare your teams in a different way for different styles. So obviously a lot of WSL fans listen to my show yeah. and I get asked the question a lot, which league is better? I don't like to say really because I think they're completely different. I think yeah. it's like comparing, you know, Messi to Maradona, completely yeah. different, yeah, similar, but different types of players, right? Different era. What do you think the biggest differences are between the NWSL and the WSL? Well, I, I love this question because I agree with you uh, and you and myself and Jackie Utley have had these discussions a ton, right, about like which one's better and we don't like that, as you just mentioned, because they each have their own uh, positives, right, that you can pull from them that I think make them special. But uh, I would say the biggest differences are, one, scheduling. I mean, these are like pretty high-level things, right? Schedules, they can play different calendars. We're in a, more of a summer league, obviously. You're on the European calendar in the WSL. There's trades and drafts here in WSL at transfer windows, right? You have Champions League. We don't here. So um, salary cap, those are some basic level. Um, but I also think you can't not talk about culturally, right? We've had Title IX here that drove our national team. And then from there, we've seen clubs, right? And I think potentially, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, in the UK in general, well, or England, FA, you're banned from playing. That set you back in terms of, of the game, right? But now you're starting to see the clubs improve everything, and then that's pushed your national team that much further, right? So I would say how those kind of have started has flip-flopped, right? And that comes down to culturally and societally uh, how we've pushed the game and women forward. And talking of national teams, yeah. Emma Hayes is coming to be yeah. the US national team yeah. coach. What do you make of that, and how excited are you excited as I am, what has been the consensus from the American fans and pundits and media? What do you think the consensus has been? Because obviously back home, everybody's kind of like looking, I wouldn't say looking forward to her going because obviously she's been at Chelsea now for 12 yeah. years, but she obviously ultimately needs a, a fresh challenge and a change. But what's everybody made of it here? Yeah, well, first of all, congrats to Emma because obviously what she's done at Chelsea is unprecedented. And then from the infancy of that team in the game, essentially, to where they are now, I mean, it's incredible, right? And so I think anytime you get a coach of that caliber, it's massive. So the the reaction has been, hell yeah, because we're at a, as we know, didn't perform as well as we wanted to at the, the World Cup. We're at a process now, we're at a in a, in a time where we we need something different. And so I think Emma brings that, right? She has experience in our previous league, so she understands the American landscape. Obviously her success as a coach in general, put those two together, I mean, it's an excellent recipe, right? And so from, personally, hell yeah, how lucky, how lucky are we, right, to have her here? I completely agree with you, and this is my last little fun thing we do at the end of every show. It's called Sanderson's Fire Five. Okay. So my first question to you, who's the best player that you've played with other than me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you are the first <laughs> I know it's going to be me. Ooh, I have two, right, for okay. different reasons. Caroline Sager, Amari Sawa. Okay. What's the best player that you've played against? Ooh, probably those two as well. What, so played with and played against, yeah, yeah, same yeah. two? Yeah, because the two of them have these, and I would say some people would, I would would say, yes, makes sense. I pick Amari Sawa. Excellent. 1v1. So difficult. Had all the tools that you would think of a, a Japanese team, right? But, like, physical presence as well. I mean, could do it all. Like, just superb. In, like, a quiet, in a quiet way. So, right? It was, like, lethal and when you least expected it. Brilliant and wonderful. Just love being around her. Same with Caroline Sager. A different player, but I don't think many people would be like, oh, you're the best and hardest to play against. But had an under 
or still does, has an understanding of the game that, yeah, is like nuanced in a way that it's not, it's not always seen with like, just like a, the natural eye, right? And so when you're with her on a day in and day out, you were on the team with us, incredible to play with. And yeah. different, different skill set than I did, right? And I think that's why it was like fun and difficult to play and with. And I think you and Caroline Sager complemented each other yeah, really absolutely. well. And holiday destination? Ooh. Well, I was just in Mexico City for three weeks, practicing my Spanish. Brilliant city, and I'd go back there, and that's the top of mind right now. And favorite movie? Well, listen, Cocktail, because I was a huge Elizabeth Shue fan when I was younger. I was Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> you were Tom Cruise, I was Elizabeth Shue, so that tells it all. <laughs> yeah, that does about, that just about says it all. And you're just an all-round awesome person. I'm so lucky that, you know, thanks for joining me here today, Laurie. We are currently in Fort Lauderdale at the second NWSL you know, seminar, and I'm just delighted that I get to see you again. Oh, Mushroom. Oh my gosh, I love you too. Same mutual feelings. You're the best. And after hearing the interview, Emma and I had a little chat about the NWSL. Emma, I just want to talk to you a little bit now about the transfers that we've seen this week, especially in the NWSL. A lot of players, you know, when I went over there, there was a lot of us that went that way. Now a lot of players seem to want to stay in England. But a big signing this week, Jen Beattie, going over to Bay FC. What did you make of that? I was shocked, to be honest. Usually I get wind of something, but that that was uh, very much kept under the radar. Um, again, I think it's a good move for, for Jen. Um, you know, I do think the WSL is the best league in the world, and I'm not just saying that because we're here. I, I, I believe it is. I've watched many leagues. Um, but for, for someone like Jen who hasn't been playing week in week out she's coming towards the end of her career Jen's the type of person that does like to experience different things so I think it's a nice move for her I think she's going to enjoy it out there and it's going to be a nice way for her to probably finish her career I'm not retiring her she could continue (laughs) for many years but I have a feeling she might retire after this one and a player that you've watched closely for a number of years at Barcelona Asisa Ashuala has gone over to Bay FC as well what do you make of that signing? I think it's a great sign and for both parties uh, she needed to get out uh, of Barca she wasn't getting her game you know she's still at the level where she can give great experience and she's at a high level she's still very very quick um, I like to see I want to see all the players coming to WSL I'm not going to lie but um, I think it's going to be a good league for her Um and she's improved so much. Like when Z came to us, when Asisat came to us at Arsenal, she was still quite raw. There was still a lot of things she needed to improve on, like especially our style of play. She was losing the ball a little bit. And then she went from Arsenal and then she went to China, I think, to and then to Barca, which is obviously another possession-based team. Not as good as us, though, Lee, but, you know, they're nearly there. Um, and she had to learn a lot. And she's improved so much with her with her back to goal play and link up play so I'm gonna I'm excited to see how she does over there and then another player that I actually really enjoyed I played against her a number of times Jesse Fleming going to the Portland Thorns from Chelsea I think this move I said it a couple of years ago she needs to play regular football and Emma Hayes has been a fantastic coach for her you know teaching her things getting her from such a young age what did you make of that signing to the Portland Thorns yeah, again, I thought it was a great move for her. Um, she wasn't getting enough game time, as you said, with Chelsea. A little bit more, maybe because of injury. But I just thought, I mean, when I, when I watched the Champions League game against Paris in Stamford Bridge, she she still can give something. But, you know, Chelsea are gone to another level now. It's, it's about the small margins. It's about you being a very, very good player. OK, well, I need an excellent player. Um so I do think it was a good move for her and she's obviously she's going to play out there and she's still a great little player.
That's all for today. Thanks so much for joining us. And I'll be back next Monday for another instalment of the Women's Football Show, where we'll break down the Women's Champions League draw and take a closer look at how things are heating up in the championship.